to not say for network i'm biggs i'm brandon and i'm carl i've been not paying any attention to news at all i don't give a fuck to this week i guess nothing's really stuck but two things that i thought were funny so they released some casting stuff for the new sandman show that's coming to netflix people just could not stop bitching about it could they complaining that they included the pronouns for the actors in the announcement, like they, as though it was just not even a big deal at all. Like it's just an everyday thing that you do. They threw in all the pronouns, and uh, it was pretty cool to see that. So n- looking so commonplace, but people lost their shit, like they are known to do. The other thing that they flipped out about was the fact that the character of Death, an abstract character, this is an abstract concept. Death. They cast a black woman. And oh my God, Neil Gaiman is like um, up on Twitter like, hey, it's cool that we cast a black lady because guess what? Death is an abstract concept and can be represented by anything. And in fact, if you've ever read the damn comic, sure, she is represented by like a super pale goth girl a lot. Like it's pretty, it's probably the way she is seen most commonly. But there's yeah, that's a, what I remember. There's a bunch of side stories because it's not – this story is not a linear story that's told that goes from beginning to end. It jumps all over the place and tells stories from all throughout time and history and fictional stories and non-fictional stories all blended together in this epic thing. Yeah, and, and I know part of it I read was like <clears> – <throat> It takes place over about 40 years. Like, Yeah, and it also takes place over eternity because the yeah. con- these are concepts are endless concepts. But like there's like issues where death was a black lady because she was in Africa and she was dealing with other Africans. And why would they see a white goth girl when they die? Why? Because that would be complete nonsense. There was a whole issue where death was a cat. And was like running around with a bunch of cats talking to cats about death. And it's great. If death can be a fucking cat, death can be a black girl. Like it doesn't fucking matter. And it's so stupid that anybody would even challenge the author himself, you know, on this kind of dumb shit. It's white supremacy. That's all it is. I mean, they would deny it and they would say, no, I just want it like it was. But the truth is, it's this is what happens with white supremacy. You think that you're owed a certain thing and you hate it when anything doesn't shake out the way you want it. So you just find ways to poke holes in it and keep it the status quo. And it's because the status quo is with white people at the center. That it was this white goth girl that... I saw in this one, and it's got to be this way, god damn it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the same as people freaking out that Samuel Jackson was Nick Fury or, <laughs> like, a- any of that kind of stuff, really. I mean, it's, it's just people want to be the center of it. And specifically, I mean white people. And this is what happens. <laughs> I, d- I don't know how else to say it, you know? I'm tired of these douches. I felt like they hit a fevered pitch in Star Wars. But nope, they were just getting started. Oh, yeah. They're gearing up and being bolstered by the likes of Zack Snyder and Todd Phillips and fucking Joss Whedon and all of these guys. Like every fucking movie that's ever been made, it turns out, because I've 
been binge watching this girl on YouTube named Maggie Mae Fish, and she is fucking crushing that shit. Her analysis of movies is <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, I listened to that Fight Club one you had me let's do. She did an entire hour on Fight Club, and it was pretty good. I agreed with the vast majority of what she said. So not that she needs my permission but, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or acceptance. but <laughs> Well, and it's definitely a movie with so many enough layers that it is open to different interpretations. Yeah. You know, and it's a, it's a movie you'll watch multiple times and you will read it in different ways. And also I think it's like there's a code switching element to it as well where certain people watching it are going to see certain things that other people don't. Like she has a video about uh, LGBT representation in the Lord of the Rings movies. And uh, I guess she and many, many other queer people when they read the books initially, they read a very strong romantic relationship between Frodo and Sam. Yeah, that's and like, I mean, like that and was that still somewhat there in the movies. It's important to them. And it's in the movies because Ian McKellen coached uh, Elijah Wood and uh, Sean Astin to do the certain scenes more gay. When he read those scenes in the books, it was really important to him as a young Ian McKellen, and he wanted to deliver that same thing to other young gay people, you know, queer people, really, uh, and give them that same gift that he was given. There's a chance that J.R.R. Tolkien was at least bisexual. There's been stuff where he clearly, like, cared more about his old army mates more than his actual wife. And I don't think he w didn't love his wife. I think he loved his old soldier buddies, and, like, he grew up in a what you call it? We went to a boys' school, all boys' school, and then he went from that to the military, and then like, I mean, speculation. But it is pretty interesting that like, there's only one really straight relationship in the whole series, and it's Aragorn and Arwen, and it doesn't fucking matter at all. <laughs> and when if Arwen's not like in a scene, she doesn't fucking exist. They don't give a yeah. fuck about any of the women are are so unimportant even the powerful and it's ones like all that matters is uh, this group of men and the relationships that they have and the trust they have in each other the intimacy they share you know <laughs> the nights they share by the fire sharing their memories waking up in bed with your friend running in yeah and then they've got their daddy standing over <laughs> them a wizard <laughs> of power that is guiding them and protecting them and, and his magic them. staff. Yeah, spoiler alert. Today's daddy episode. Just so you know. <laughs> we'll be getting into daddies later. We're all about daddies today. One other quick news uh, thing that I guess I brought was uh, Danny Elfman is like back in a weird way. <laughs> like I thought he was kind of fading <laughs> out of music. I thought he was getting ready to kind of retire a few years ago because I had heard that he was losing his hearing and he hadn't made anything in a long time. He had done a lot of scores, but nothing personal. And then the pandemic hit and we all went into lockdown and apparently his creative juices just started flowing. And he has now released a brand new solo album that's like his first work in over a decade that is his solo work. He's also like gained a bunch of muscle and he's gotten all bulky and ripped like he's trying to be a superhero in an MCU movie. He like kind of went the uh, he, carrot top route. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. He looks healthy ripped. Yeah. Carrot top look gross ripped. Like <laughs> he just looks gross. Like, he's like uh, half of a Kumail Nanjiani. 
right, maybe where two he's thirds. at now. Maybe for... it's like two thirds of a Kumail. Um, and he's covered with tattoos now, but you can't see them like at all if he wears a full length long sleeve shirt. Uh, so he's still able to kind of go stealth with his fucking tattoos. But he's been working on these tattoos for like 10 years as well. Like he's got this whole project, like a tattoo project. And it's it's starting to work its way down to the hand of one of his arms because it's mostly on one side, but it goes all the way up his arm and then across his chest and down to his belly and across his back and his shoulders. But it tends to stop on one arm at least. It stops at the sleeve, the, the a short sleeve, you know. But his new music is weird. It's heavy and it's like, I don't know what he's trying to say at all, but he's going through something. I don't know if it's a good thing or if <laughs> it's a bad thing. I wonder if it's a thing. divorce album. <laughs> it's something. Like, like Phil Collins changed, too. And he also has like eight music videos because he just keeps releasing. And they all have like weird animation that's like super trippy and kind of grotesque and like uh, – he looks like David Cronenberg did a tool video and parts of it. <laughs> yeah. Or David Lynch. Or maybe Actually, David, no, Lynch David Lynch you're, and you're David Cronenberg corroborated. I said that very smoothly. <laughs> Collaborated. On, keep it in. <laughs> I want to sound like that. That was intentional. Watch his music videos on YouTube. They're fucking weird. And listen to that album. And that's the news for me. <laughs> I will say with that David Lynch thing, when he turns into the weird thing that's dancing around, looks a lot like the lady in the radiator in Eraserhead. Sure. I'm just saying. The big cheeks. Never mind. I'm the only one that's probably seen Eraserhead. <laughs> At least in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Okay, fair. Uh, so I wanted to talk about how David O. Russell has a new movie out and the big news lately has Who's been. That. That. So David L. Russell did Three Kings. He did I Heart oh, Huckabees. Right. He did American Hustle. He did Silver Lining Playbook. He did Joy. Wait, is he an asshole? Yes, he is an asshole. He's the, he abused Lily Tomlin, didn't he? On I Heart Huckabees. Yes. Him and Dustin Hoffman both like bullied or did he defend? Did Dustin Hoffman defend Lily Tomlin or did he gang up on her? I don't remember Dustin Hoffman ever being in the conversation. He's in the movie though, right? He is in the I'm movie. I'm not crazy. Yeah. Okay. I just, I don't remember. <laughs> You're gaslighting me. <laughs> I, I don't remember him weighing in, at least okay. not on the research I did. Because I was diving kind of deep just to like dig up stories that have been around for David O. Russell. So I wanted to say the big story right now, Taylor Swift joined the cast. There's like a whole bunch of people like Margot Robbie. There's like Chris Rock, uh, Rami Malek, Robert De Niro doing another one with them. Timothy Oliphant. It's a star-studded Ooh. cast. Okay. But like, why? He was a part of the whole Me Too thing. He got Me Tooed? Yeah, he did get yeah. Me Tooed. And he had a long history I don't of incidents. I mean, I don't remember that. hearing about it. I'm glad because I brought a breakdown of all the shit oh that has God. come out in the public over the last couple of years. About him. About him specifically, yes. On Three Kings, he made a script supervisor cry and then he pushed an extra. He then started screaming at a camera car driver in front of the crew who was a friend of George Clooney. So George Clooney got in his face. He headbutted George Clooney and grabbed him by the throat and started screaming at him. Hit me, you pussy, hit me. So that was his experience Ugh. on Three Kings. So when he started making I Heart Huckabees, he had Jude Law on the project, right? Mm -hmm. So Jude Law suddenly got an offer from Christopher Nolan to do one of his movies. So at this Hollywood party, David O. Russell ran into Christopher Nolan and in front of all the guests, grabbed him into an intense headlock until he agreed to release Jude Law from his contract that he had just signed to do a Christopher Nolan picture. Then when he's making I Heart Huckabees, this is on YouTube, you can see it. 
it. He's screaming all this stuff at Lily Tomlin, including calling her the C word. He did that. And he was just throwing shit all over the room and screaming at her. So like that's everywhere. Every article about David O. Russell tends to tag it in there somewhere. Right. Uh, then later while he was filming it, Sharon Waxon, who is a reporter, started reporting that he apparently started stripping down his clothes one day while he was shooting a scene until he was in nothing but his boxers and then started rubbing up against female and male actors while they were trying to act like right off a camera to throw them off of their game so that they like concentrated on their acting more. He also put himself underneath Lily Tomlin's skirt while she was trying to deliver a monologue. Can't believe she made it through that production. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, she's a consummate professional. And then she came around and said, oh, I would work with him again. I kind of pin that on like boomers a little bit. That's just like. But it's like I all. Jesus. Self brainwashed. Brainwashed at that point. Like this is just the way Hollywood is. Or she doesn't want to make waves and still wants to be. Or uh, she truly believes. Although I. It's like that whiplash thing where it's like if being abused is like can bring out this artistic whatever. Yeah. Except that you can do that with things that aren't abusive. Like people act like they they see that it works and they're like, well, that's my method now. It's like, well, but it's just because it works, that doesn't mean that that's the only way that it works. Right. I mean, that mean kid that had you... talent to start with. Like, you didn't. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to throw drum sets at him. Yeah. Fuck. You know, like, yeah. it, all that does is perpetuate a cycle of violence that is just like gross. And that's why we need Superman to step in and <laughs> tell us. Yeah, Zack Snyder, come on. Not Zack Snyder, Superman. <laughs> Richard Donner, Superman. The one that sa- puts, saves a cat from a tree. Yeah, fair. Okay, so then there's a police report because he is groping his 19-year-old transsexual niece and told the police that he groped her but said she's always causing drama since the transgender transformation has become very provocative and seductive. And then they let him off without charging him. And he admitted that he like groped her to him. Uh, On American Hustle, he screamed at Amy Adams continuously. She said in an interview later, she went home crying almost every single day off the set. And then the Sony hack revealed an email about Russell that he was trying to mend his reputation in the press. But after that happened, he took Sally Field to a party and then made her cry in front of a bunch of guests like just started talking shit to her until she started crying and then he also started screaming at jennifer lawrence repeatedly on the set of joy and taking shit out on her too so like literally every movie that he's done there's been incidents of physical verbal abuse and then he's also done sexual abuse that he straight up admitted to the police. So why are we still giving this guy a chance? And I just say this to be like, don't fucking watch any more David O. Russell shit. It's up to us to cancel him at this point because apparently Hollywood's not going to do it. So that's all I had to say. I just saw that trending today and it was the biggest entertainment article today and nobody Hmm. was tying it in with David O. Russell's history. And I was like, that's kind of weird. It wasn't that long ago that I learned he was a douchebag, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, got two things, actually. Uh, the first is YouTube channel, The Beards Audio Bucket List, is actually up. There's no content on it yet, but probably about the time this airs, I should have the first episode up. So I'm slowly going deaf, and so I'm listening to all of my records, some for the hundredth time, some for the first time. I actually have stuff I've never listened to, and I going to be reviewing those and including some, if not all of it. And I'll be doing a couple of different feeds. So I, you know, if uh, 
bots go through and clean some of that stuff out, at least I'll have my reviews still up there. So I'll be listening to albums and or songs. And if you guys comment on stuff and stuff I need to listen to before I go deaf, then uh, I'll take give it a check out. That's the first part, the Beards Audio bucket list. The other thing is I, over the Memorial Day weekend, watched a movie, done the whole barbecue thing and had a pretty good weekend. So we're just kind of winding down and decided to watch a movie as the family. And the kids have been driving me crazy with this uh, movie that they've been wanting to watch for a while. Uh, it's called Willie's Wonderland. So what the hell is this? Because so this, it sounds very untoward <laughs> from the title. So it stars Nick Cage. Oh, boy. And it's a survive the night in a abandoned kids entertainment center, like where they got all the animatronics. Basically a Chuck E. Cheese sort of thing. And for the movie, like the backstory is that the people that ran it were satanic cultists and they committed suicide and they possessed the animatronics and killed people and they were killing off the townsfolk and they made a deal with they did like once a month they'd feed them a new person or a couple they'd feed it to them and they'd eat kill and eat the people so is nick cage supposed to survive in this so nick cage is the next offering okay first off nick cage does not say a single word in the entire movie does he scream though (laughs) no he is basically almost completely silent silent the entire movie okay so he just shows up like drinks a soda plays some pinball kills an animal or one of the animatronics that's possessed going killing somebody. Then he goes back to, like, he'll clean something, and then he'll drink another soda. Then he'll play a game of pinball, and then the next animatronic would try and kill the people that broke, the kids that broke into the warehouse, and he'll kill the next one that's possessed. And, and there's eight of these guys. So and we don't get to see Rage Cage? So... We don't see a rage cage. We get a weird on the spectrum cage. Okay. Like when he's playing pinball, he has these weird ticks that he does, like dabs and weird shit. You just want him to like say something to give some context to what's going on. But it's just like this thing that happens and he's just like, oh, I'm going to go back to cleaning the bathroom now. His 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 actual character name in in the movie is the janitor. So is there much dialogue in this movie at all? So the sheriff of the town has quite a bit of dialogue and she's actually been in quite a few things. So the sheriff is played by Beth Grant, who was in Donnie Darko, Speed, No Country for Old Men, like Little Miss Sunshine. So she basically gives all the backstory and like setting up the whole thing. And then there's the guy that owns the Willy's Wonderland texts. He's like basically cons him into taking the job for the night. So they set up a whole thing where they leave a spike strip in the middle of the road. So the car coming through like... Blows out the tires, and so the garage tows them off. And in order to work off the new tires, because they don't have internet in this town and can't get $1,000 cash, but you can work it off to work the night Willie's Wonderland. It was really formulaic, but uh, it was just, it felt like such a miss underuse of Nick Cage to have him not speak anything. Not scream. <laughs> nothing like he is so deadpan when they say oh are you gonna do this like he barely nods over the course of like 30 seconds you're like oh this is the extent of communications we get out of nick cage 
through the entire movie. Does that make Nick Cage a good actor then? Yeah. Or a bad actor. It means he has range. He's He does it all. He doesn't always scream so, all the time. Sometimes all he does is scream. Have you seen Mandy? That, <laughs> no, I haven't Mandy? seen that Oh, yet. man. Didn't I send you that clip from Mandy, though, and I watched it where he's drinking. He's in his tidy whities and yes. like a metal yeah. T-shirt. And his wife has just been like brutally murdered in front of him. And he's been like left for dead, but he manages to survive. It's just a scream fest. No words. Maybe swearing, but like no real words, just screaming a bunch and like drinking and screaming and like pouring the alcohol on his open wounds and then screaming about that and then pouring the booze in his face and then drinking it more and then screaming some more. So it's like leaving Las Vegas. It's pretty great. <laughs> the one he yeah, won well, an Oscar it's, for. It's leaving Las Vegas like 30 years later, right? Yeah. 40 years later. It's so leaving way, Las Vegas so with an edge like Danny older, Elfman. And he's way older and like grungier and pretty great. So I did a little research on this movie for you guys and I read an interview with the director and producer or writer I should say. So originally the writer wrote himself in Nick Cage's role and then they're like I can't direct this and be in the movie and like do all that so like so they put the call out and then I don't know how they hit upon Nick Cage but he took a weekend so he had to pawn some dinosaur bones mm. so he was like never mind I'll work in this movie <laughs> <laughs> That's how they got Nick Cage. And so originally there was one line uh, when they uh, the janitor fights the the Willies. Uh, so the main character of the animatronics goes to do the the boss battle basically, and like supposed to have some one line quip. And like, and the director even said he wanted to do something like a Bruce Campbell groovy or something like that. And they like workshopped a whole bunch of stuff for Nick Cage, and Nick Cage is like. No, just cut it. We'll be quiet the old movie. Interesting. I'm going to be quiet for this entire movie. Okay, so I want to try a new rating system here since it's a new show. I think that it should be one through five, but it's like N or S or F or second N or W. <laughs> What for the, the fuck? Yeah. So it's just NSFNW. And the closer you get to not safe for network, the better the rating. So like a W is perfect. A first N, that's terrible. Nobody else has this rating system. <laughs> People are saying it's the best rating system ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a real selling point. <laughs> Sell me on it with People you. People are saying, Kyle, doesn't know what he's talking about. Sad. Yeah, I am sad. <laughs> <laughs> so how would you rate it, Brandon? Uh, NS. Like it's pretty formulaic. Like oh, so an S. So yeah. S, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not N S. That's confusing. <laughs> Not the system I put out. That system is confusing. <laughs> he did go with you saying the closer you get to NSF the whole thing. Yeah. So like one star would be N, two stars would be N S. No, three two stars, stars would be, would be S. NSF. <laughs> It's like a light system. It's like five lights and you just like light up one at a time. But you light each of them up. Yes. Not individually. Like you light the first one and then you light the second no, one. The, the first one's the still first on. first one goes out when the first second one goes still on. on. You light the no. Why would You're the confusing sec the system, Carl. <laughs> uh, I think I'm improving the system because that was what Brandon did intuitively. Yeah, it was like you're, you're, you go all the way. Like it's like getting to the end of the finish line. Empire Strikes Back. You got NSF. It. The thing is, is like I took and about I seven seconds to think this out, and like I, I spent a lot of time thinking on this, guys. But all right, all right, it's an NS. 
we'll go with it. <laughs> <laughs> and we will not remember this by next episode, I am sure. We'll see. <laughs> All right, should we leap into the deep dive? Deep dive. Deep dive. We've got a secret invasion show coming down the pike for the MCU, and we've had Civil War. We know we got scrolls running around the MCU right now. So we've hit a bunch of stories that's within this arc of Marvel, which I believe went Secret Invasion, Civil War, and then Siege. But I have serious doubts we're ever going to see Siege. And so I just kind of wanted to talk about the story that is Siege and the things around it, because I think it's a really interesting part of the MCU. So this would have been about 2010. This is like a couple of years after the MCU is actually going, but it's within the comics. Secret Invasion was essentially the scrolls come into the United States. They take over key positions. They take over some Avengers. They've been there for years. Nobody has any idea. And then they finally reveal themselves to take over Earth. And then eventually they defeat them. But the scroll queen is shot by Norman Osborn, who's working for the Thunderbolts. And the Thunderbolts is essentially like the Suicide Squad, right? Like they got chips in their brain. It's going to fucking explode if they don't do what they're supposed to do. They're trying to reform villains. But the key to the Thunderbolts is they're not really being reformed during this era. They're actually actively doing ill underneath the surface, right? And Norman Osborn is kind of leading this. So then he takes over. The Civil War happens. Wait, Secret Invasion is after Civil War, isn't it? So I don't know. Basically, the key difference with Civil War is like Cap and Iron Man face off. Spider-Man unmasks to try and bolster Iron Man's side and say that, like, we should show our identities, we should work for the government, and then he winds up changing his mind, going over to Capside. They fight. They do not reconcile by that book. It completely splits the superheroes apart. Within that vacuum, Norman Osborn comes. He winds up taking over S.H.I.E.L.D. He renames it Hammer. He starts his own Avengers, the Dark Avengers. They don't call it that in the public, but that's what the book was called when it was going. And so this... And it's all... That one is interesting because... When you were sent, mentioning Thunderbolts, I'm more familiar with the Dark Avengers, and it's like they literally it's, it's put, literally rolled into the Dark Avengers, and right? they it's like you've got Bullseye, right? He's doing but Hawkeye. Bullseye is being Hawkeye, yes. so he's going by the name Hawkeye, mm-hmm. and it, they all sorts of shit like that is happening with the Dark Avengers. So it's yep, you got really Spider Man is Venom. Yeah, But it's Matt Gargan's Venom. So this is the guy who is Scorpion for a while, and he's a total fucking psychopath head case. So when he has a Venom suit, he's literally eating people. Like, he is the most dangerous Venom that ever existed. And he I don't know the whole story, but he only has Venom for a while. You have Moonstone, who takes over for Captain Marvel. And they're all, like, dressing like him, right? You have Dakin, who is Wolverine's son, who's evil. And he takes over for Wolverine. He looks just like Wolverine, except for he's got two claws in each hand except for three it's like pretty much the only difference oh yeah his son or his clone or whatever is that what it is i don't know if it's his clone no i think it's his son actually dakin right he definitely refers to wolverine as his father so dakin yeah 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 I think it's his son, yeah. And I'm sure I'm missing some people, but Norman Osborn is like, what does the team need? And they're saying, well, you need the soldier and you need the knight because they're talking about like Captain America and Iron Man. And they're saying like, those are very powerful images. So he becomes an Iron Patriot. So when you see Don Cheadle rolling around in that red, white, and blue war machine suit, yeah, that 
is actually the design they had for Norman Osborn's suit. So now you know the setup. Norman Osborn is running everything. The superheroes are all underground. They're all illegal at this point because at some point they realized even with their, they're still fighting with each other. They're not going after each other, but they're still fucking pissed at each other, right? Yeah, and they're not getting paid, it turns out. So No. <laughs> Well, and this is the comics too. No, so I mean, like, I, they got to live in a mansion and shit in the comics and have a butler. So I'm, I'm talking about Falcon <laughs> and the Winter Soldier. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> so they are all underground. They're living together. They, this kicked off this run of really funny Avenger comics where Brian Michael Bendis just delighted in the minutia of living underground with like other people and how obnoxious it could be, like having the most obnoxious roommates. Like you're seeing Peter Parker is super annoyed because he's walking around the house and Wolverine is just sitting there or oh, like God, shoes yeah, off. I remember that. Yeah. Man. Hasn't showered in weeks. He like is just like drinks beer all day and doesn't move except for when he goes on a mission and then he just sits there and like watches TV and stinks up the whole house. Luke Cage wants to kick the shit out of Peter Parker because he's married to Jessica Jones at this point and he found out that she had a crush on Peter in high school and so he's like very insecure about that and there's just all this little stuff going on. So it finally culminates in Siege and Asgard at this point and I can't tell you exactly why but Asgard started to move away from from where it was at in the Nine Realms and it floats over Oklahoma City. Not Oklahoma City over Oklahoma. It's like specifically a town called Braxton. So it's just floating 10 feet off the ground and Norman Osborn just wakes up in the middle of the night and he has a voice that's telling him you need to deal with this city and he's saying my hands are tied I can only do so much and he's like this is the time for action Osborne gods don't ask for permission and he's finally like I know you're right and he's like talking to his goblin mask <laughs> so he's just completely fucking lost it at this point because he absolutely holds it together and is beating the superheroes for like a year and a half of the comic books you know like he is working with the government he answers only to the president and he is getting his shit done you're finally seeing him crack and so he decides he's going to go attack Asgard. Now, one other key that he has to the Dark Avengers and the reason why they cannot beat them is because he has the Sentry on his team. So the Sentry is kind of Superman's version of, of Superman. It's, Marvel's version of Superman. What'd I say? Superman's version of Superman. <laughs> yeah, like Superman deep down inside just feels very conflicted. <laughs> <laughs> this it's is like, what am I Superman? Am I Superman or am I an evil <clears throat> demon? Uh, am I a Muppet? Yeah, it's like Marvel's take and he's like a crazy man and he rips Ares in half at one point. Yeah, so essentially oh, Ares, right? his name Not is Ares. Bob Reynolds. Yeah, Ares. And he was completely forgotten by all the Marvel heroes because Doctor Strange casts a spell to make them all forget about him because he was the most powerful superhero, but he would always go up against this villain who was just as powerful as him. And it became very world-breaking, and they realized at a certain point, Bob is also creating this villain in his mind because he's not well. And he is has such a high power set, they can't even, like find the limits of it. The guy just always answers to Norman and nobody can figure it out. And as they're attacking Asgard, it finally is revealed as Bob rips apart Ares, who's taken the place for Thor, that he controls him because they have this in common. Like, Norman thinks he's the Green Goblin, right? And this guy thinks he's his villain. But did he ask him to put him by the window? <laughs> put me by the window! 
window. I really do think that's where they got the name Norman. Like I, I really, <laughs> yeah, I truly yeah. do. I've always thought that. But <laughs> it's kind of a Fight Club situation too, where like they want you to split personality. I think they're all lying. They just pretend to have split personalities so they can try to justify being being total douchebags. Yeah, yeah. So the Avengers kind of get their shit figured out. Iron Man's near death. He somebody finally brings him an Iron Man suit because he was doing Extremis and he was running all of his Iron Man suits like way quicker. But he had to disconnect from all of them and try and destroy all of them so Norman can get them. So he wound up just with the one suit, but he destroys all the other ones. Somebody finds a suitcase of his one of his first suits. And so he suits up to go out. Thor has been just sitting on the sidelines as the doctor because in Marvel Comics, he's that doctor. What's his name? Do you remember? It's like the star. Donald, Donald Blake. He, no, no, he's Donald Blake in the comics. And he uses the alias in the first movie, which is just a nod to it. But basically, he's a doctor and then he like taps his cane and then he becomes the mighty Thor. Like it's kind of his disguise on Earth. And so he's just sitting on the sidelines, not doing anything. Are you telling me it's not a hoodie? <laughs> So he's seeing Asgard get fucked with and he's going out in the fray and fighting. So finally he goes to fight the sentry. All the Avengers are coming in. Every villain you can think of is joining in on Norman's side and they start to turn him back. But the sentry just fucking destroys it. And then Thor finally destroys him. But right before that happens, Iron Man shuts down uh, Norman Osborn's suit and it comes off and he's got the Green Goblin painted onto his face and he's like screaming. He's got the teeth painted onto his lips. And I just fucking love that image. It was really fun. And at the end of it, Steve Rogers had like come back. He faked his death apparently and he came back when the back when Bucky was Captain America and he winds up giving the shield back to Bucky and, and going to retire and go back into the sunset the president convinces him to run shield which I think happens for about a year <laughs> like everybody runs shield at some point it was Nick Fury and then it was Tony Stark and that's when everything gets fucked up with Civil War then it's Norman Osborn finally it's Steve Rogers and I think it's uh who's the one who's like Fury's friend in the movies uh that Colby Smothers plays. Oh, Maria Hill. Yeah, Maria Hill runs Shield now. I think I like yeah. her in the Avengers movies. Yeah, me She's too. She's a good part of it. I think they should give her more. But that was basically the story. I just thought there was like a lot of fun elements to that, and I, I <laughs> and now <clears throat> I would like MCU to cover that somehow in some way. But all they've really done is move Asgard you have to just, the U.S. And keep in mind how many characters you brought up that I have not and may never be introduced in the MCU. <laughs> But you don't necessarily have to introduce each one, right? Yeah, I thought we started talking about Secret Invasion. Yeah, I was given the backstory because so much more. all of that shit We got into Siege. Siege. Siege is where it leads into Secret Invasion. Now, no, I think Siege, is, Siege is the final chapter of Siege, all of that Secret stuff. Invasion, I thought, happened a long time ago. Yeah, it like, happened. So it happens like four years before Siege. Then like No, I thought that Civil the original War. Secret Invasion with the scrolls and stuff happened back in like the 80s or the 90s. Am I thinking of something else? It's possible they they had two stories named Secret Invasion. Like they did do that with Secret Wars, for example. There's two versions of that story. I don't really know. I've read a couple of the Dark Avengers graphic novels, but that's about it. Yeah, it's a fun period of Marvel. It's like right. It's right around the 2008 is when it happened. So not 
at all when I thought it happened. <clears throat> yeah, and it's like right around when Disney buys Marvel. So it's like yeah. a lot of people took this as the sign of like, oh, great, here we go. The mouse is about to fucking ruin Marvel because <laughs> they've been doing all this interesting stuff with heroes because they set it up like the Avengers are back and so everybody's kind of worried about it. But like, no, they just continued to let Marvel be Marvel and do a good job. That was the deep dive. Deep dive. Today, we're having a big old battle. None of this versus crap. This is every man for himself, and it will be man, because we're having a big daddy battle royale. Who's the baddest daddy of them all? I, I can say... One like, daddy, come all daddies. It's the old guy from... Dodgeball. So if you can dodge a wrench, you can nope, dodge a nope. ball? It's the guy, the leather daddy. <laughs> I mean, that's one daddy, sure. There's lots of daddies, though. I mean, this is a vast... Eddie Murphy, daddy I'm daycare. pretty sure that like 90% of all movies and TV shows are about daddies in some way. Darth Vader. That's and a Palpatine. Daddy. And Luke Skywalker. And yeah, Han you know Solo. Weird? We now know that Palpatine. You know who's pumped. not a daddy? The, is Lando Calrissian. Mm-hmm. He's like the only one that's not, but he's kind of a daddy. He's like a, in, in I Solo. Know that, I know there was a lot of women that called in, him daddy. Well, yeah. sure. yeah. And in Solo, he was like a robe daddy. <laughs> he had all them robes. The cloaks. Then, okay, so you've got like murder daddies. You've got your uh, Liam Neeson and Taken. You've got freaking. Uh, Dexter's dad. Dexter's a daddy. No, no, Dexter. Oh, yeah, no, Dexter's a daddy too. That's yeah. right. But I was, thinking, he of, has a daddy. I was thinking of his ghost daddy. He has a ghost daddy and he has a surrogate daddy. Every it's fucking ridiculous. There uh, that daddies are everywhere. Who's the ultimate daddy? Is it is it Hannibal Lecter daddy? He was daddy to to Will Graham a little bit like in a mentor relationship and then in the books not only does he become mentor daddy to Clarice but he also eventually like uses hallucinogenics and psychotherapy to like turn her psychologically into his surrogate daughter and becomes her daddy yeah I have to push back on this one because I read all the books and, and they, like no he fucks her like he they no, eventually, no no no, no, he, no they like the, it's his, the book Hannibal he, they I wind up running off to Europe together. And then they eat the guy's brain and he eats his own brain. No, no, no. That's the movie. I'm talking no, that's about the, the book. the book, too. The book is a dark fairy tale where, like, he winds up, like, Clarice runs off with him. Yeah. And they live a fairy tale romance He lost Europe. his sister to the Nazis. There yes. were cannibal Nazis. God, this book is so stupid. No, no, cannibal that's Hannibal Nazis. Rising. That's Hannibal Rising. That's, no, that's a flashback in the Hannibal book. I'm pretty sure that's Hannibal Rising, That's dude. the plot of the stupid movie, yeah, but that movie is based on flashback sequences in the in Hannibal. It's based off of the it's book Hannibal Rising that Thomas... D- that's garbage. Harris <laughs> also wrote. Anyways. <laughs> and yes, it is garbage. That one is terrible. His little sister was eaten by cannibal Nazis and he he replaces his dead eaten sister with Clarice so that's the relationship that he has with her is not a romantic one it's a familial one oh they fuck though they don't (laughs) you are remembering it wrong cannibal fucks (laughs) 
if he fucks, he fucks Will Graham. <laughs> well, he fucks with Will Graham. It's oh, no. Different. There is some. T- He's dude. a leather daddy for like Will Graham. He has said that he almost kissed Will Graham in multiple scenes. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen well, almost that, kissed that, that dude. Yes. In, that's, a, that's a different Hannibal. That was run by a notable gay man. I'm uh, talking about Brian old... Fuller. Ryan, is that his name? Brian Fuller? No. I'm talking about old canon. You're talking about mid canon. And now the new canon is that like Clarice show. Oh, God. I did... <laughs> That show showed up, and it's like they're like it's the number one show, and it, who the fuck I haven't ever has heard even of it, heard of it. So. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I've fuck? heard of it. I just I probably not. It's on watch CBS, it. right? Yeah, I, yeah. look, uh, I, I'm in for Buffalo Bill. I'm in for Hannibal. That's it. You give me one of those two characters, I'm in. You don't give me one of those two characters, you don't get me, dude. <laughs> so you've got Clarice. No, that's so. You, I mean, you've Clarice got, is a great character in Science of the Lambs. I'm not going to watch a whole show. Based sometimes the her. character is the daddy, but sometimes the character just has daddy issues that happens a lot too like who's my daddy where did my daddy go why did they take my daddy away from me it's just always with the daddies star trek daddies i think q might be the ultimate star trek daddy like kirk dude wrath of khan is all about him being a daddy yeah dealing with his age Khan because he's a got daddy? a secret son. No, 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 Kirk. He's got Kirk, a secret yeah. son. So and Kirk his, is a daddy. Yeah, yeah. totally. And is then Spock in Star Trek Three, his his son gets killed by daddy. In the reboot Star Trek, Spock is kind of his own daddy. Is, does that mean he's also his own grandpa? He, is this like uh, no? This, this isn't like, like Fry. Styles Ooh, movie? Fry. Fry. <laughs> no, Fry's his own granddaddy. Fry's got some daddy issues. <laughs> Bender's got some daddy issues. It's just daddy's all the way down. You ever Infinite seen the movie daddies. Father's Day? <laughs> daddy's home. Uh, what daddy's else is home there? too. How many? What, daddy daycare. Uh, God, there's just so many daddy movies. So you we know, need to pick one daddy to rule them who's all? Who's the best? Which daddy wins? Who's the ultimate Sauron. daddy? I'm going to go JC, dude. Jesus I, I Christ? Go, yeah, I just got to go with my roots, dude. The invisible sky daddy? He might be the son, <laughs> and he might be the so Holy Spirit, which, but he's also the daddy. <laughs> so then which invisible sky daddy are we going with? Are we going with Morgan Kareem Freeman? Jesus, always. Are we going with Morgan Freeman <laughs> from uh, Morgan Freeman from the Bruce Almighty? Are we going with uh, 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 stop motion animation god from... Uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I was thinking George Burns. I think I figured it out. It's ultimate five fingered Simpsons daddy. Ultimate oh. Sky daddy. Oh no! <laughs> I I think I can top that. Ultimate invisible sky daddy. Alanis Morissette and Dogma. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I would be proud to call Alanis Morissette <laughs> ultimate god invisible sky daddy of. That can rule over them all. <laughs> all right, let's take religion out of it, though, for a second, and then figure out what the ultimate – like, what about biological daddy? Well, I mean, way? you look at that predestination movie that we talked about on Box Office Battles. That guy is his own daddy yeah. and his own mommy. And his own nemesis. <laughs> <sighs> daddy. He gives himself Stockholm Syndrome, or is it she gives himself Stockholm Syndrome? I'm Ooh, they give themselves. You know, okay, so they, they we're just going to go with they. We're just going to go with they and throw the pronouns out of there. So I think one of, one of my favorite characters he gives with daddy herself issues. <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome. One of my favorite characters with daddy issues 
is Brad Pitt and 12 Monkeys because he's obsessed with his dad. But he doesn't say daddy. He says father. And that doesn't like that's not quite as like gross sounding like the word daddy is fucking gross. Who's the one in uh, Parks and Rec who's always like daddy money. Uh, that's Jean Ralphio and, and his uh, sister, uh, whatever her name and is. And she's Jenny the one I'm Slate. trying to think of. Yeah. Money, so Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler's a dentist daddy in that one. He, <laughs> he's a tooth daddy. Money daddy for sure to his kids. They're the they're totally ruined. He they're the worst kids. Money please. Was it Mona? Mona Lisa Saperstein. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mona Lisa and John Ralphio Saperstein. Oh, they're the best. That show has more basketball jokes than any other show I've ever seen in my life. They just constantly run off Indiana Pacers jokes. Oh yeah. Which just <laughs> oh, like because that's where Pawnee is. is yeah, in yeah. Indiana. But they over and over they have one of the Indiana Pacers. They bring him to the to the oh, club. Yeah, John Ralphio just hires there. a bunch of basketball players to like just be in the office. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wow, they are not seven, good. He's not good with money. Yeah. There's a good scene in Brooklyn Nine Nine where uh, Peralta goes undercover as like a super rich guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he's trying to get into this club and they won't let him in. And so he's he just like, calls I'm calling daddy. daddy. <laughs> he's like, daddy, they won't let us into the club. I yes, daddy. Just... No, daddy. And then I heard this Marilyn Monroe song called My Heart Belongs to Daddy. It's actually an old Cole Porter song. And it's been redone by a bunch of people. Like everyone from fucking, again, Marilyn Monroe to like Eartha Kitt. Ariana Grande has done it. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Miley Cyrus is singing it because she's oh, got the daddy, doesn't dude, she? She's got yeah. country singer daddy. You want to talk about the daddy who's got the most wallop per minutes? Thomas Wayne, dead daddy, dead, dead daddy, daddy, or shows up in alternate timeline, or an alternate timeline, he's a murder daddy. Yeah, that's because true. he becomes Batman with guns in the Flashpoint universe. Yeah, when when Bruce is the one that gets shot instead. There's not very many comics that have made me tear up. The end of that comic. Ugh, the end of that comic actually <laughs> makes me tear up because <laughs> he, he writes a letter to Bruce. <laughs> Yeah. When when Barry goes to fix everything. This is like this is what the show for CW completely missed. They missed, they missed literally everything shit. that was good about the Flashpoint and they just took the idea which is fine, but don't call it Flashpoint because none of that was Flashpoint. Well, also Batman wasn't in it. I know, but <laughs> you could have done something similar. Like, like there was no Atlantic. There, there was no so Superman many... being kept out of the sun and withered away. There was no like Aquaman, like with yeah, uh, Atlantis fighting. None of those fighting. characters are even in the CW. That's show. my point. Don't fucking call it like <laughs> Flashpoint because well, it didn't but, even okay, approach it. But look at like the MCU. They are telling all these stories that are based on comics, and they're not using a but, third of the characters that but were they're in using, the comic version. They're using like the really great memorable moments to put into it. And that's that, what the CW was attempting to do. And failed. Yeah, but I'm <laughs> you can't like fault the CW shows for something that you don't fault the MCU right. for. All, all I was going to say is like Barry gives this letter to Bruce Dude, Barry, when he fixes everything or thinks he fixes everything. He's actually fucked up everything still, but not as bad. And he hands it to Bruce and it's written by Thomas and he hasn't read it. And all you see is like half of the top paragraph and then you just see Bruce's fucking eyes like welling up and you can tell like how much it means to him. And it's like very touching. That's the best daddy moment I think I've ever read. It's just like he sacrificed his entire world for his son. 
Larry has got a daddy too, who's in prison for wrongfully imprisoned for killing his mom. And that daddy used to be the Flash in the old Flash show. Well, and I'm just talking the storyline of Flash the Flash is that his dad, the Reverse Flash, killed his mom, and then his dad got right. framed for it. Framed for it. So daddies everywhere. That story they actually nailed. That's pretty accurate from the comics for the most part. Even like the noticeable absence of a daddy in Wonder Woman's story is in and of itself like its absence is notable, you know, for it being absent. There's like kind of stuff with like he was formed from by clay or whatever. Odin is like or not Odin. Zeus is like technically her creator, but not her daddy in a biological sense. Is Wonder Woman the only movie with Batman where Thomas Wayne doesn't die? Was that a cut scene? Can we Does find Thomas that on the Wayne Blu-ray? die in Suicide Squad? <laughs> I don't know. Because Batman's in Suicide Squad. Maybe. Yeah. So <laughs> Batman does. Or I hope that in the Wayne robot Bat and Bat Batman that's coming out, I, I hope there's no Thomas Wayne scene. Yeah, I could yeah. deal without ever seeing that again. Like MCU Spider Man has three daddies. He had his birth daddy who died, and then he got a surrogate Uncle Ben daddy, and then he died, and then he got Iron Man daddy. <laughs> oh who yeah, also it, died, and Iron Man. His dad died. It's that old Parker luck. And his dad was killed (laughs) by the Winter Soldier. And the Winter Soldier was manipulated by Baron Zemo, whose daddy was murdered. (laughs) (laughs) By all the Avengers. Ultron is created. So once again, Tony Stark seeded seeded his own destruction. Once again, Tony Stark is self destruct daddy. So where do we put uh, Omni-Man? Oh, Omni-Man is... Hold on, hold on, hold on. We can't go there just yet. Fucking Tony Stark is a daddy, too. I mean, his daughter loves yeah, him yeah. 3,000. 3, that's that's pretty big. He that's pretty loves big. Him three, and Ultron hates him 3,000. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also Ultron's daddy. Yeah, it's true. And okay, he's I'm Vision's sorry. daddy. He's a yeah, I guess robot he is, daddy yeah. for sure. He's, he's a like robot a robot daddy. daddy. <laughs> All of his Iron Man suits are his kid, children, his surrogate children. The one he likes... Likes the least is the one he keeps saying, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna donate you to like." Yeah, he's got that little arm thing that has a personality that he never shows up again after the first movie. Just disappears. No, it's in the second one. (laughs) Is it? Yeah. Okay. And it it gets destroyed. No, I think it might even be in Iron Man three. I think it finally gets destroyed when the uh, the place gets blown up. Yeah, when his house gets destroyed. When he gives out out his address on the fucking national television. That's a bad dad move. Well, he's been drinking. He's a drunk daddy. Uh, <laughs> back to Star Trek real quick. Riker makes a good daddy. I don't know if he's a biological daddy, but like yeah, the Riker him and Deanna maneuver. Troy fuck, and I, I have a feeling it's like multiple partners. The it's Riker of- maneuver <laughs> is a daddy that. move. <laughs> For sure. That's so good. I love that you referenced Best of Both Worlds Part 1 and 2. I'm on your level. So the most interesting, like I was thinking about Stargate for daddies, and that one's interesting because there's not a lot. Well, okay, so there's storylines with the main guy, Richard Dean Anderson, Jack Carter. He was a daddy, but his kid got into his guns when he was like- Really? They have the MacGyver thing there? Kid shot himself. (laughs) By accident. <laughs> oh, and MacGyver so he has daddy. Dead, so he has a dead son. And then- I'm not laughing his, at children dying from guns. Samantha it's Carter, just... the scientist on the team, her daddy is dying and then he gets- 
a Tokra. He becomes a Tokra, like which the Gould are the evil aliens, the little parasites that go into a human's brain and like control them. It's but like Star Trek too. They're not all evil. The good Gould are called the Tokra. And they have a symbiotic relationship with people rather than a parasitic relationship. That's not dominant, but a melding of minds. It's not so one eventually Toka her dad, line. her daddy becomes a Tokra daddy. <laughs> a symbiotic daddy. A sim- symbi- symbiote daddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, the Venom. That's kind of a weird. Okay. Let's not get into Venom. That's not a good daddy relationship. <laughs> but uh, the thing that was the I thought, daddy. what I thought was interesting about the Stargate uh, situation is that they treat the human race on a galactic scale. The human race are like the the children of the galaxy and these other races like the Asgardians, which are like little gray, gray men. They disguise themselves as the Norse gods, whereas the Goa'uld disguise themselves as the Egyptian gods. And it's like if there's a god in America, in the in on Earth, like they are some kind of species of alien in disguise. Speaking All of, of them. Speaking of which, Odin, the All Father, Thor. That's the All Daddy. Thor dude. is a main character in in Stargate, and he's a specific like alien that shares eventually shares their tech with us when we become grown up enough to be responsible. So like the aliens are like our space daddies, like waiting for us to grow up and be ready to use this technology they have to give us that will allow us to join the galactic community in a bigger way than just walking through Stargates. But like actually flying ships from galaxy to galaxy, shit like that. It's pretty good epic scale. Also, epic back daddy. to Stargate again, there is one captain that is a literal daddy, and that's uh, the captain of Deep Space Nine. Uh, what's his name? Do you remember his name? Oh, Cisco. Cisco. Yeah. His son is on the space station with him, and he gives him like, that's I'm going right. to talk to you about baseball. So he's like space station. Captain daddy. Space Station Baseball Star Trek Isn't Federation he like a god daddy. too? Does it doesn't he turn out to be a Bajorian god? He is like a uh I think he just is in their prophecy of some kind. He's yeah. mentioned in a prophecy. So he's also he's maybe god. maybe it's Cisco. Maybe he's Cisco is the is the like Ultimate prime Star Trek. What the about prime, the Prime Star Trek Daddy? Yeah. What about John Shaft? That's Which like one. They're all yes. daddies, <laughs> well, except for JS. JS is not daddy. There's Only a lot the youngest of John one. Shafts. The youngest they're, one's not a daddy. Yeah, that we know. Richard Roundtree, J- John He's Shaft. A daddy. He's definitely a daddy. Yeah. Sam Jackson, definitely daddy. a daddy. Yeah. That, Although not very canon. often. Sam Jackson is rarely, rarely has children, and he's rarely the type of character but he has, that is in considered. Twenty nineteen, he he's has. not like a father figure very often in things. But he definitely right? isn't Shaft. Like he starts out as an uncle in the first movie, and then they admit. Oh, that, I'm not like, saying he that he can't be a daddy. I'm just oh, saying no, no, that that's not his default. I'm just trying to think of movies where he's a daddy because he's been in a lot of movies. <laughs> but you're right; I'm having a hard time thinking of him. You know who else is actually fairly rarely I mean, he a sends daddy? His kids rubber through the mail. So. <laughs> so like Tom Hanks is rarely a daddy in movies, but he is America's daddy. Dude, Road to Perdition, he's a bad daddy. So that's one movie though. Like most of the time he is not a daddy. Forrest Gump. 
Forrest yeah, Gump, Forrest he's, Gump a daddy. he's a daddy. Eh. No, not eh. No, that's sperm the donor. end of the movie. Yeah. Forrest he, Gump, he, he's that's a That's the emotional donor. end of the he movie. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's a sperm donor. I mean, donor. that's a dad, so. He's a I mean, Jenny might have lied to him, but like, as far as we know, he's a daddy. <laughs> is he like me? Or it, is, uh, is he smart or is he? I think that's the quote, God. right? <laughs> Fuck that movie. What you're fucking ruining this for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. That you were right up until you said Tom Hanks is hardly ever a daddy. He is hardly ever a daddy. He is absolutely a daddy. Oh yeah, he's a daddy in fucking with what is it? He the daddy to the fucking volleyball, you motherfucker. Bridge of spies. <laughs> Well, I don't know what that is. I, know, I just said that because I knew nobody He's not saw a daddy in... You, <laughs> wait, maybe he is a daddy and You've Got Mail. Fuck, I've never seen You've Got Mail. I, I haven't either. I think he is I a... Can't. God damn it. All right. Fine. <laughs> Tom Hanks is a daddy. There's a reason why he's America's daddy. Movies. Well, like, there's the one where he dressed like a lady. He's not a daddy in that. Bosom Buddies? Bosom Buddies? Yeah, yeah. There's, like, he's not a daddy in, in the Toy Stories. Uh, he's a toy. Fuck, did he fucking, uh... He's not a daddy in Big. Um, he's a boy. He's a widow boy. Oh, he totally got with that chick. Yeah, but he didn't impregnate her. Well, they can't. They're toys. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Big. Big. Oh, we don't know. She might be pregnant when he leaves because he de- he at least cops a feel. Because she goes to turn out the light and Wait. he turns it back on and cops a feel. But yeah. And you think that that might have gotten her pregnant? He might you be do a daddy. Know how... We don't know. He could be a big daddy. <laughs> you do know that he has to do more than cop a feel to impregnate her. <laughs> <laughs> she totally wanted a little baby baby it's, big. It's like it feels like a bag of sand. You know? <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld's a daddy. He's a bee daddy. <laughs> what a weird oh, idea. Oh, what a weird idea for uh, a movie. There's Fish Daddy in Finding Nemo. Yeah, Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks is Fish Daddy, and he's a good daddy too. I mean, How about in a... no, he's not. I mean, he's a caring daddy, but he's not a good. He daddy. definitely loses his kid a lot. Yeah, he loses his kid. He's a bad <laughs> I don't daddy. know if that's a great. Daddy. He's a caring daddy, but he he's like overprotective. But he only daddy. cares so much, you know. And he's overprotective. Yeah. But not overprotective enough to keep him safe. Interesting. So, Interesting. <laughs> out of all these uh, daddies we come with, who's the the daddy? You know, I'm still leaning towards Alanis Morissette because <laughs> I don't like taking religion out of it. And it means that women get to be a part of the and conversation. Yeah, I think it's hilarious that the number one daddy is Alanis. It's a lady. Yeah. <laughs> I like that God. answer. That's pretty good. <laughs> I think it's what we should go with. Yeah. Or it could be Jennifer Lawrence and mother. <laughs> Wait, that's mommy. <laughs> yeah, it's just not a daddy. <laughs> but th- that does have Benicio daddy. Del Toro? Is he a daddy in that he... movie? Uh, no, I don't think it was Benicio Del Toro. I think it was, uh, uh. Oh, no, I'm thinking of, uh, the guy, is it the guy from No Country for Old Men? Uh, Josh Brolin? (laughs) No. (laughs) The guy who, like, shoots out locks. Is he in that movie? Oh, um, with the bowl cut? Yeah, what the fuck is that guy's name? Why can't Oh, my God, I'm totally Uh, drawn a blank. It's on the tip of my tongue. Javier Bardem. That's it? You got it? Yeah. I think it was... As one of those guys, I'll look up Mother. He's real Bond's quick. daddy in one of the, the yeah, new Bond movies. Yeah, he totally is his daddy. <laughs> he totally <laughs> is his daddy. That is for sure. I mean, he owns Bond in that movie. That really is my favorite Bond movie. Like, honestly, it is it's a great Bond Bardem. movie. Yeah. Yeah, Harvey Arbardem. <laughs> and Ed Harris is a daddy in that, too, because he's the daddy of Cain and Abel. I mean, Ed Harris is Nick Cage's dad in. 
The Rock? He schools Nick Cage in that movie. Uh, maybe. Be, I mean, Sean Connery's more Sean of the, Connery, is the daddy Sean, of The Rock. Dude. Sean Connery, Sean is, Connery is Indy's daddy. Yes. Sean Connery Ooh, is, oh, might man, be the daddy. Indy daddy. Well, no, nah, Indy's too. That's Nah, I don't put that up on a pedestal. Indiana. Fools. Let it go. That was pretty good. That's <laughs> pretty like, good daddy moment. We named the dog Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> I have fond memories of that He's dog. He's also in, when he plays Alan Quatermain in his totally shitty final movie. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He has a dead son in that too. And then he becomes a surrogate daddy to, what is it, Davy Crockett or some bullshit or one of those dumbasses. He becomes a surrogate daddy in Finding Forrester. He's like, Dracula, he's like giving him good Dracula. advice. And he's like, how about, you the man uh, dragon daddy. Dude, now we are getting, then we night. start, what about <laughs> fucking, what about fucking Dracula? Well, Richard Gere was her daddy and that was What about poem. Victor Frankenstein? Victor Frankenstein's a daddy. daddy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Lady Frankenstein, that's his daughter. <laughs> what about the guy that built the robot in Aliens? Uh, Wayland. You... Oh, what about Blade Runner daddy? Uh, robot daddy that builds <laughs> Rutger Hauer and then gets his eyes pushed in. That guy's robot daddy. Fuck. What about Alien Daddy and Prometheus, who just like Make, snaps off, created Pierce's all the head? Yeah. yeah. No, the, the alien thing that like, yeah. Anyway, the engineer. Yeah, the engineer. Thank you. Uh, who's the father dude, of Pinhead. Skynet? Pinhead. He's he's fucking a lot of he's people's de- leather daddy, dude. He's definitely a leather daddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's Leviathan? The cent? He's Cenobite daddy, or he's like? Yes, you're right. You're right. Leviathan Cenob- is actually the. But he's just a spinny, glowy light. I don't. <laughs> or he he's daddy? like Puzzle Box Daddy. Yeah, Puzzle Box. There we go. Puzzle Box <laughs> Daddy right there. Puzzle Box. Puzzle Daddy. I don't know. He doesn't. It's not really like. They're not very good. No. Just to be clear. No. I kind of like Hellraiser, but I've now seen it three times, and that's two times too many. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you space them out enough where you completely forget it and like watching it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) The thing about the Hellraiser concept is that really what it comes down to is each story is completely standalone about a single person descending into punishment. Because and it's not like they're being like coerced or or in any way it's like uh, Pinhead, any of the Cenobites. They're not like a constant presence throughout the movies no. or they sh- of the stories. They just are there at the end to kind of collect the soul after they finally fuck themselves over beyond any chance of redemption. Like they make a deal, but then they don't even have to trick them into fucking it up because it's they just are they really only make deals with people that are gonna fuck themselves over anyways but the thing with hellraiser what's bullshit about it is they do sell it that way but like over and over again you get people who are not given consent who wind up being cenobites or like sucked into hell well and that just is because the writing is subpar pretty much across the board for hellraiser movies the shot at clive barker candy man daddy there are candy stories well you know even his dude <laughs> dude his stories that are uh, are better as not his hellraiser stories are better as like 
not movies. Right. And no one's ever really captured the Hellraiser story correctly the same way no one's really gotten Lovecraft right, except for maybe, and not in movie form at least. The irony is that Clive Barker directed the first Hellraiser. Also, <laughs> um, they never really got, like, Philip K. Dick adaptations, they never really get them right. You know, sometimes they get elements of it right, but they never capture it the way it is on, on. just on paper as a fucking source book was know? quaid a daddy quaid's been a daddy a bunch of times i'm sure no no no, not dennis quaid i mean like quaid in total recall i don't think so not didn't, in he the didn't first have like one. a holographic kid i mean like because we know they're fake maybe not in the first one okay i think in the second one second one second total one. recall are you oh, talking I about thought, Minority I'm sorry. Report I was now? thinking no. <laughs> I was thinking of but Dead Kid and Minority Report. Um I was thinking of uh Blade Runner, sorry. Oh, okay. And I don't think there's a kid in Blade Runner except for the fact that he made the ro- the one dude Guy Geigrich or whatever made the robots. But the second one I think uh there's like a kind of a daddy-ish relationship between Han Solo and the dude from Drive. I can't think of their names. I mean, Will, Will Smith's and... got a pretty good daddy thing going on. Like, Will I mean, Smith's you daddy got, left him. You got Why did I he Am Legend. Me? I mean, Why did he, he create, want me? He has all the I Am Fresh Legend. Prince, man. Or, no, I that know. famous I got meltdown that he <laughs> the has. The I Am Robot, all the robots there. I mean, he's got his own, like, personal with Jaden Smith. Dude, he played a daddy to Jaden Smith, and he is his daddy. Yeah, How crazy that's is that? like Inception. Da- that's like Dadception. <laughs> it's Dad squared, Daddy squared. Yeah, squared daddy. <laughs> Robin Williams has been some memorable daddies. He was a he daddy was a daddy that played the stepmommy or Mrs. The... Doubtfire daddy. Yeah. He was yeah, he's RV some good daddy. daddies. <laughs> That one's less memorable. Did you say RV daddy? I did say RV daddy. (laughs) Ooh, Kevin Spacey was gross daddy in American Beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Gross daddy. (gasps) Cancel daddy. Cancel daddy. I know who it might be, though. Okay, okay. Here's the winner for wholesome daddy, right? Tom Hanks again? No. Uh, Jerry Orbach and Dirty Dancing, uh, Wholesome yeah. Daddy. It's true because when he's wrong, he says he's wrong. Right. No, he yeah. does he's, say he's wrong, and he's he honest. Like, he because he's fixes got integrity. The girl's botched abortion, like he has integrity. Like he's good dad, and he does like he's Wholesome Daddy, the right thing all yeah. the way around. Like, yeah, he's pretty good. So daddy. he wins for he. This is turning into like a Oscars for daddies, a, a, <laughs> a Golden Daddies, Golden Globes for daddies, uh, American Spirit Awards, Independent uh, Daddy, the Daddy O's. <laughs> <laughs> Because then I was thinking, like, because there's, like, comedy daddy. Oh, Kevin James, awful daddy. And they're, like, because they're, oh, I guess the sitcom daddy. There's a lot of sitcom. Who's, like, yeah. the ultimate sitcom daddy? Is it, like, uh, John Goodman? Is Paul Reiser. Are we talking? Paul Reiser. Are we, no, because he was one of two daddies. Paul Reiser? He's mad about you. That was, more like, than my two daddies. Else. That's where I'm going yeah. with that. That's too, I mean, he's only one half it, of a daddy. Is it Tony Danza? A.O. O.A. Yeah. Yeah, is he's it? Samantha's daddy. But he's not the boss. Well, is he? No. No, hey. Angela's the boss. Hey. Angela is the boss. No, I think you should think about it An- because. No, no Angela because. is the boss. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all I'm going to say is 
Tony runs a household. He makes suggestions to Angela. Eventually, she comes around to his thinking. He marries her. She's not fucking paying him at that point. And he runs the household. So who is the boss? Angela. No. No. I just realized no. Kurt Russell is Planet Daddy. Oh, yeah. And uh, Guardians of the Galaxy too. Dude, yeah. The MCU, they are just... They cannot stop with the daddies. Even Thanos is a daddy. He's he's Gamora's daddy. Type, and Nebula. Sort of. Yeah. Or he acts as their daddy. Jeff Goldblum is like Fly Daddy. Oh, he can just... include Fly too. <laughs> well, even Fly mm. One, he like he he shoots one into Gina Davis, right? Yeah. I can't think of many times where he plays a lit a literal daddy. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> do your do oh, he plays uh, uh in uh, the uh, league. He plays yes. uh, what's oh, his yeah, name? He's dad. Ruxin's daddy. Ruxin's dad. He's, he's Ruxin's daddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he eats. Frozen yogurt erotically with Sarah Silverman. What does that sound like? Oh, I don't want to. <laughs> do it, do it. You can't. It's got to be more organic than that. Can't force it. Hey, Besides, Jeff that's Goldblum, like a Conan, what are you that's eating That's like there? a Conan O'Brien does that. <laughs> I feel like I'm just recycling a Conan O'Brien impression. All right. <laughs> what I do, I, I recycle Daryl. <laughs> Daryl, what's-his-face's impression for Saturday Night Live is Sean Connery. Nobody gives a shit. Daryl Hammond. <laughs> yeah, because he did that, and then that became the Sean Connery impression. Well, I'm still working on my uh, Morgan Freeman, uh, Andy Dufresne. Uh, okay. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to wrap this up. Who's the daddy? Uh, I'll be your Huckleberry. It's Is it David O. Russell, then? Oh, uh, no. no. Don't call back fuck to no. that. <laughs> Oh, daddy. Fuck the ultimate I thought you daddy. said Huckabee. You said Huckleberry. I'm sorry. I got Yeah, I was thinking of... Daniel uh, Day-Lewis? No, that's all drink your milkshake. But he's, oh. Oh. there will be blood daddy. Ooh. <laughs> Bill and Ted are daddies. God, now. Uh, they're Fuck, so... Like, we could go down this rabbit hole for that's hours. The, see, this is what <laughs> was the real point of this, was not picking a winning daddy. But I think it's impossible because... It's just the was, story that we fucking tell in everything that it's like. See, I was thinking the why SNL are character. We, this is proof that we live in a fucking patriarchy, right? We're in a patriarchy. Even in our culture, the stories we fucking tell, the stories we tell, 90%, 99% of all media is a, in some way about fucking daddies. God damn it. This is why the Bechdel test is so low <laughs> of a bar to get over. 12 angry men, more like 12 angry daddies. Miracle on 34th Street, more like Miracle on 30 Dad Street. So that one didn't work. <laughs> in a week, happy Father's The Day. Elephant Man, more like, hey! <laughs> that Thanks was for un- shitting on my parade, That's Carl. This comes out on hey, Father's Day. Tech, we're all technically daddy here. And the cats and the cats I had and no, the okay. So Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when. But we'll get together then. I did not even realize that I was timing this for Father's Day at all. That was... <laughs> Not intentional. So let's just say Carl's daddy wins. He My sold, dad? He sold, yeah, he, he sold me a Martin me. Scorsese book that was awesome. That's true. Yeah, let's give it up for Carl's dad. Carl's dad wins. <laughs> Way to go, Carl's dad. All right, dad. good job, Bill. You win this one. <laughs> Take it easy. 
please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Follow us or reach out on Instagram at NSF underscore network, Facebook's Not Safe for Network page, or email Not Safe for Network podcast at gmail.com. Not Safe for Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Alex Small. Subscribe to all the podcasts on our network. Season 3 of Movies with Wrestlers has Eric and Connor answering the question on everyone's mind. Who's better, The Rock or John Cena? Every week, a cosmic void has Jeremiah and Biggs deconstructing influential movies. Not Safe for Network examines the zeitgeist through rabbit holes, deep dives, interviews, and pop culture battles weekly. And if you need some classic TV talk, catch up on the previous three seasons of In Syndication.